Game begin. Well, hello and welcome to Daggum Nerds, your podcast for family first fanboy fun. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm Kevin. And this is a very special episode 59 where we have a very first that's happening here on the podcast. Yeah, we, we have do. Our, we have our first interview with professional video game composer and super cool dad, Mr. Stephen Malin, bow, is bow. here in the house yeah. with us. Welcome to Dadgum Mr. Nerds. Steven. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet him. <laughs> He'll be here in a few minutes. Well, Stephen, we have a list of very important questions for you. Very important. Oof. So people can get to know you a little bit better. So uh, you ready for some rapid fire stuff here? Not particularly, but let's go. Okay, we'll let's do try. it anyway. I, it doesn't matter. We're going anyway. <laughs> so what part of the world are you in? Oof, Atlanta, Georgia, cool. USA. Single married kids? Very married, very kids. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yes, I know that feeling for sure. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, why is Trip wrong about thinking Nintendo sucks? Oof. We don't have enough time for that one. Okay. Okay. But he is wrong. That's all. all re- that's all, I need all to know. reasons. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So a little bit of this or that console or PC. Mm, console. Okay. Series or films. Series. Animation or live action. Animation. Yes. I knew I liked you. Streaming <laughs> or theaters. Ooh. Oh, uh, theaters. All right. It's nice. PlayStation or Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go list of favorite things. How about your favorite nerd property? Ooh, I don't know how far that can span. Um, I'll take I'm whatever more, you got. <laughs> I'm more of a video game guy than, than film or TV. So okay. within the video game space, ah, uh, that's a tough who, one. Well, you know what? We were child, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, Andrew, you and I were talking, we're just like goofing about uh, Metroid earlier. So I guess right in this moment, it's Metroid. Let's do it. The second Fav- place is fi- Final Fantasy, though. I'll give that. Nice. Oh, okay. I love, Final, okay. love me some Final Fantasy. You superhero fan at all? Not really. Well, never mind then. I'm going to pass on that. How about your, uh, we just answered your favorite video game. Uh, oh, okay. How about your favorite film or series? Well, let me actually answer that question. Favorite video game singular okay. of all time is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, Majora's you're in Mask. that camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yes. yes. I know a lot of people will probably fight you after this podcast, but that's okay. That's fine. Just, you're warned. They just know he's somewhere in Atlanta with the other million. people. <laughs> as long um, as those people come with actual facts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then we can fight. Favorite film or series? Hmm. I think it, I always go back to Star Wars. Yes. The original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then your favorite composer. Nobu Umatsu. It's oh. a tie with him. So he's Final Fantasy composer. Tie okay. with him and Koji Kondo. Yes. Who is uh, Super Mario and Zelda composer. Uh, phenomenal awesome. picks. Well, before we get started, uh, anything happened to you guys in dad life this week? Kevin, I see something on the list from you. Yeah, something happened, crazy happened to Molly, as usual. Oh, my gosh, yes. So we have four kids. Um, the bottom three, so everybody but Felicity is in baseball. Okay. And so Molly's in T-ball, and she had practice. I guess this happened on Monday, because that's when she has practice. And Theodore had practice at the same time. So I had Theodore, because I coached Theodore. And then Margaret had all the other kids watching Molly. But Molly's practice ended a bit early, and she came over to watch Max's, and we mm-hmm. got hit by some of the feeder bands, so it would rain a lot in our area. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Oh, from the hurricane. From the hurricane, yeah. Yep. 
Molly's climbing up on the bleachers, and these are short bleachers. They're like four total, so they're probably mm-hmm. four feet off the ground, three feet, three and a half. Yeah. And she falls head first off of them. Oh, oh man. And so I had to sleep in her room on the floor that night because she seemed pretty concussed. She <laughs> did everything. She's like, she didn't throw up. She didn't have the glazy eyes, but we're like, dude. Something's like, off. Something like, I know it's late for her and she feels really tired. Mm. But then she, and like, even the next day, she was like, dude, daddy, my forehead still hurts. I'm like, all right, oh, all right, four year old. Let's um, give it a little bit longer before we go to the doctor and she will turn out being fine. But it was a big scare in our house to have like someone fall face first Ooh. onto concrete. Yeah. Wow. So that's this, fun. Oh, wow. That's Theodore's, fun. Theodore's not quite at that stage yet. Um, still is not quite so sure of himself. So it's coming. Well, Polly's four. Like I, I have a really right. good story about Max that I could tell when he busted open his head and had to get stitches. But that's another time. Well, we'll save that one for another day. <laughs> yeah. He was younger. He was about four. So look forward to your fours, man. Once four, once four happens. Yay. (laughs) Look forward to your fours. Yeah. Uh, In my world. So I have four kids with a fifth on the way. Oh, uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, And we have age ranges all the way from 14 down to newborn. Um, So we are (laughs) all over the gamut. And uh, this week was a really big week for us because we made a very huge decision to homeschool our oldest daughter. Hey, oh, we, we homeschool. Yeah. We, we homeschool okay. our whole plan. Yeah. And I was, I was homeschooled K through 12. So. Oh, man. So we and got lots shows, to talk about. Andrew. Yep. Random twitches, <laughs> night sweats. Yep. All, all of the above. All of the things. Yeah. yeah. So we jumped headfirst into that. Only a couple of days in at this point, time of mm-hmm. recording, but uh, it's a scary new world, but it's also very liberating. It is. Oh, it's yeah. very freeing it's in many ways. Yeah. Very excited about what's to come. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I, I am of the opinion that if you do homeschool correctly, there really is nothing like it. Hmm. Yeah. Really is nothing like it. All right, guys. Well, hey, let's start this discussion. So, Stephen, welcome again to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Well, (laughs) for those who don't know, Stephen is a professional composer who has made his career on creating music for things like video games, movies, uh, documentaries, as as well as teaching music. Um, So video game titles that you may have heard uh, include Monster Sanctuary on Nintendo Switch and the recent Beard Blade that just released on Steam. He also currently composes for the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Dark Dice, nice. which, stars, which stars the world-renowned Jeff Goldblum. National that treasure. That is awesome. My goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Stephen has written a book called Family First Composer, which I see that on your back shelf over there. Yeah, there it is. A little, little, little plug, but uh, you can pick that up wherever books are sold. Really cool mm. book. And you can find him teaching and composing live on his YouTube channel, simply titled Stephen Malin. Yeah, check that and out. Yeah, I, yeah, it's really cool stuff. He is also a super dad because Stephen and his wife uh, were foster parents for a while and have adopted three kids out of that. And That's alongside awesome. having their biological son, and they got one on the way, like you said. So, Kevin, he's he's got you topped at the moment. He he's, in the fi- he's in the he five does. kid club. That's good. Oof. That's good. We talked about six to eight, Morgan and I, when we first got married. So, oh, geez. oh we yeah. What Ooh. is that? What is that? Well, I don't know. But what you have four, really, if you can do three, you can do ten. <laughs> like, you're not wrong. After a while. Uh, like like three, really? no, three is the hardest jump. 
for sure. I think so. But yeah. but when you get to four, like some of the older ones help the younger ones with some of that routine okay. sort True. of parenting stuff. So you're not focused on that. You're focused. I don't want to say on just the fun stuff. Yeah. But it's much easier when you have like, and it's easier to have evens when they can pair off. It's man, it's awesome. <laughs> That's so true. I, I've actually noticed that um, parenting is a little easier when there's more kids, not less. Yeah. Yep. For wow. the exact reason, they entertain each other and they play with each other. And there's when there's just one or sometimes even just two, it's mm-hmm. it's a hey whole mom, lot hey more. Hey mom, hey dad, it's a lot more involved. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the older ones can babysit and, and they and you'll find that they want to watch the younger ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So plug to have a bunch of kids. <laughs> Kevin and Steven. There you go. <laughs> cool. I shall note that down. <laughs> well, hey, for uh Steven, did I miss anything before we move on? Oh man. My life has been very colorful with music, <laughs> uh, very rich, uh, very blessed. Um, man, I think you you hit it on the head. Um and and just to plug the book for a second, uh, the reason I wrote that thing and the reason that that matters so much to me, Family First Composer, I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, Please, yeah. but it's literally all about why I do what I do. And it's not music first. It's family first. Um, it's my why. It's it's the reason. And it's actually the um, foundation of why we could do foster care. And to this day, we just chatted about homeschooling. That's not even possible. That was never even a thought mm-hmm. If I wasn't at home holding down the fort um, so that I can be available for all these different things and adoption process and all the things that go around with that. So um, that book came at a very special time um, in our family life. And um, the I spent the last, um, so I'm 31 now. So I, I think I spent all of my 20s exploring every possible avenue of how you could make a living as a musician. <laughs> um, and I found about 30, 30 different ways that you could do it. Yeah. And over the years of just wanting, when people would ask me questions, Hey, why do you do that? Or is that an actual income source? It eventually turned into me teaching and, and helping people with videos and then yeah. turned into mm-hmm. courses, it turned into blogs. And just over time, I took these materials and packaged them all together into a few resources, one of them being the book. And now it's just something I can point people to when they want to jump into this whole composing thing or making a life career as a musician, specifically working from home so that you can support your family. Um, That's what I'm all about. And I'm happy to chat about that. I can talk all night about that, but. um, Uh, That's why you're here. That's kind of the, yeah, Yeah. man, that's, uh, that's the core of who I am is I want to put family first and help show other men specifically how to lead their families doing what they love. And yeah, Yeah. I think. So how how long have you been, composing specifically for video games because it's sort of a weird yeah. time in my mind depending on when you got started because i'd imagine it's a very difficult industry to get into it's a very peculiar industry sure. um, <laughs> be- because they're not to be like an oxymoron here but but the subtitle of the book is proven path to escape nine to five <laughs> nah, sure support your family right, writing right music for video games tv and film um there are certain things that are certain and most other things are not. So to say that there's a, a clear path, follow these 10 steps and you will have success. It, it's kind of a misnomer. Yeah. Um, really, if I were to retitle it, it's here are my experiences in 30 different arenas. Here's what sure. worked for me. That's, that's kind of it's less catchy that way. Here, here's what <laughs> worked for me so I could stay home and compose and support my family. Right? Exactly, exactly. Right. And um, 
and here's a perfect example. So I started writing music when I was 10 years old, 11 mm -hmm. years old. I was a kid. Um, doesn't mean I was making money at it though, but I honed that craft as I was learning piano and learning violin mm -hmm. and playing in orchestras and playing and singing in choir, playing in percussion ensembles and playing and recording. Just there's a million things you can do with music that you put all those things together over a series of time, more opportunities are going to come your way sure. as you become a social human being and, and, and first and foremost, be a human being and uh, <laughs> right. not a, a cold calling yeah. spammy robot of the 21st century. Um, but basically the, just spending time doing this um, has, <laughs> it, it sounds so cheesy, but, but doing the craft, the longer I do it, the better I get clearly. Um, yeah. and yeah. so much of what I want to help teach people is be a good human first, be put good out into the world and be a friendly person, make friendships and then the work will come. Sure. But in the meantime, don't just like wait for work to come, right. find ways that you right. can actually build things that make the world a better place. Um, and I'm constantly working on something, um, and yes, uh, I'm blessed to have a career where, yeah, I get to write these cool custom scores for and soundtracks for things, but that was not always the case. Mm -hmm. When I don't yeah. have, I mean, even to this day, if I don't have something I'm working on, I'm going to find something to work on. Yep. I'm going to make a new mm -hmm. education piece or I'm going to uh, write music that I can put into a library that can get licensed somewhere for a, a movie trailer or for a video game somewhere, whatever. Um, and just over time, I'm building products that way, when my custom service takes up all my time, great, let's go do that. So I always try to have my life very, very full. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the, the if there is a magic formula of, of the balance, how do you actually work from home and support your family? You have products doing a lot of the work for you, mm -hmm. having these things out there yeah, selling all sure. the time and updating and, and customer support, if you will. But on the other times, I'm, I'm writing custom music. So yeah, there is it, no it, yeah. one way, but it's the, from the, you know, even on my show, having a lot of interviews with um, A-list composers, there's a trend when you start listening to these stories over and over and over again. Um, almost all of them are doing something besides composing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or at least they did for a long time until they got to the larger, bigger name projects. Um, there's something to that, that, yeah. that in this day and age, most kids, pretty much anyone 25 or younger, um, they, they seem to be, they have this entitlement Sure. Um, and this, oh, I got my degree, so now the world needs to hand me <laughs> big caliber projects. Sure. You'll, you'll, um, you'll learn it, very quickly. You'll learn yeah. coffee first for yeah. a long time. Yeah. yeah. In reality, yeah, I, I've professionally been a composer full time for, I don't know, five years now, six years now. Okay. Um, been married for seven. So, but I taught a lot. I did a lot of private sure. lessons. I've done a lot of coaching, I've, a lot of other things. Um, and, and really only the last two years or so have I been like a hundred percent doing this one thing, um, because the contracts are big enough now that they're taking up a lot right. of my time. That's awesome. Um, and you know, 10 years ago, I would have thought that this is where I was supposed to be at 21. Sure. No, no, no. Um, things slow down, um, right. allow, allow life to happen and, um, always be improving where you're at. So and it, it, there's something to be said I'm, about the struggle, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And, and, totally. and attacking, as you said, sort of diverse outlets for income streams so that you can find out, like, your passion is music, but I'd imagine you thought you knew what your passion was within the space of music, but, right. really, but really being able to diversify that, as you said, 
you're able to hone in on what am I truly passionate about? And then you can truly attack that better, so to speak. Right. But I'm also really excited that you got that you talked about, like, be a mature person first, (laughs) because, again, again, like if you want those big contracts, you not only have to be a good composer, but you've got to be somebody that somebody wants to work with sometimes again. Dude, yes. Yeah. Everything's relationship driven. And I think but a lot of people don't realize that like your skills are your skills and they're great. They might get your your resume on the table or yeah. your something, um, your demo on there. But when they talk to you, mm-hmm. that's real. They're not they're not hiring your skills they're hiring you. And they, yep. I think a lot of people yep. miss that. Yep. Well, um, Stephen, as someone who has done 100 percent more video game composing than all of the dads <laughs> here combined. Uh, what is the general process of creating music for a video game kind of from start to finish? I mean, you, you kind of 30,000 foot flyover, you know, we don't need like all yeah. the nitty gritty, but like yeah, I've yeah. always been really curious about me too. I've been what's curious the process. Like, like, do you play the game with no, no sound in there at all? <laughs> or like, what is, yeah, what is the deal? Well, uh, every single project is so different yeah. that I think I'm at a unique position now that I've now, I've now worked on enough games that I finally can see some trends that are true every time. Okay, cool. Um, and then there's an exception to every rule. So in general, the 30,000 foot view is um, in the best case scenario, the game developers have been working <laughs> on a game. Mm-hmm. The smaller the team, the longer they've been working on it, right? Sure. So most of what I've done have been just been small indie game projects mm-hmm. where the team is uh, five people or less. Okay, so sure. these are guys who are literally doing this as their, their night gig mm-hmm. and sure. they'll work on it. Um, and that's so like a very beer, fragile baby. Oh my gosh. So yeah. beer, beer blade, for example, was a seven year process. Ooh. Um, but they brought me on pretty early where oh. about year one or two, they had me start writing music. And for wow. them, here's a situation where hmm. they would just fund me like once a month. And it was like this steady gig for seven years. That's pretty cool. Where I would just write one or two tracks and then hmm. it turned into like, 50 tracks, 60, and then I all yeah. had all these this, tons of music. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, they decided what they wanted to keep and, and not. I didn't love sure. that process, but oh yeah, well, because the sure. game was yeah. totally different. The game that we play now on Steam mm-hmm. is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that situation, that's a, what I would consider a, a more normal situation where, um, yeah, I got my hands on the game early, um, but I've now seen the dangers of getting of on it too early because... Yeah my music was informed by what I was seeing and playing, um, which is always what you want. But by the end of the the seven years, no one expected it to take that long. Um, My skills as a composer had had dramatically increased. Sure. sure. Um, So my music wasn't even really sounding like itself anymore. Mm. Um, And the game tonally had shifted so dramatically because that game, it's called Beard Blade. It's literally about a guy who has a magic beard, turns into different swords and maces That's and stuff. Killer. Um, uh, yes, please. It's based awesome. on like Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's it's a really cool game. Yeah, the sprite work um, looked good. But when it started, it was meant to be very whimsical and very goofy. And so they had me like using accordion and all these like really obscure instruments to sound upbeat and happy. And then uh, later in the development process, they wanted it to be a little bit more dark and serious. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing these tonally very different pieces. Right. And so at the end, we had to slice like half the soundtrack, uh, sure. which is not fun. But, <laughs> so there, you know, that, that, there's one example, but take something like Monster Sanctuary, where um, a couple guys, two brothers based in Germany, um, had a massively successful Kickstarter. And now all of a sudden, they're, they, 
they just started making the game. And with technology nowadays, this was only a couple of years ago, where they had uh, Steam, the the beta access. And so mm-hmm. players could just jump on there and um, be part of the Discord community and everything. Right. And so yeah, before cool. they know it, they have thousands of people giving their feedback every single step of the way so that the developers could constantly adjust. Sure. And then that's in that really situation, cool. I don't even know what's normal anymore, but in that situation, <laughs> one of the developers was actually a composer. Um, oh, no. how interesting. Becoming a thing now. Um, a lot of games... Uh, I think of Undertale, I think of um, Axiom Verge. Like these are one person teams where they do everything. They do all the art, sound, music. It's crazy. That's crazy. Um, It is crazy. Uh, So here's a situation where um, Monster Sanctuary, one guy was writing all the music, but the game was very unfinished. They only got a third or a quarter of the way in. Um, And that was a situation where I made friends with the developer through Twitter or wherever we, Mm -hmm. we were. Mm-hmm. All online. Uh, most I should I should say that most game development happens online. I I've never had an experience working with someone in the same state or area or anything. Okay, it's wow. always been extremely remote work, usually different countries around the world. That's wow. awesome. Um, and so I rarely ever get to meet other game developers in person. <laughs> um, I'm not exactly in a hub. You know, I'm not in L.A. or New York or sure wherever where a lot of people are. Um, but a situation like Monster Sanctuary, I I basically got hired on to write new music as the game was being developed. And then um, it got to a point where they really liked my music and they started hiring me to redo tracks that they did. Um, Not all of them. Okay. Not all of them, but there was a sticky situation there where the fans, this is, uh, if you guys are familiar with um, in, in filmmaking, um, what is it called? Uh, Temp love. Have you heard that Mm -hmm. phrase before? Like temporary track love. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a, where a director, when they're cutting the film, right, they're, they shoot this thing, they're spending years watching the footage thousands mm-hmm. of times, and they're going to throw on a piece of music that they're inspired right. by, that track. they think sure. represents the, the, the mood. And what's really interesting is as a composer, just I've come from film as well, that's the hardest thing in the world to compete with because mm-hmm. now you're competing with John Williams or Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman right. or any of the greats that you're like, I can't be that person right. and I will never be able to write yeah. something that's going to fix that. Or just so a composers, track that they fell in love with because they've been listening exactly. to it so much. Like that, that so, just is that right. Yeah. So in this situation, um, this is a unique thing with Monster Sanctuary where the composer was also the developer. So he fell in love with his own music. But then at the same ah. time, the fans who've been playing it for a year in, in beta fell in love with this music. And now a composer has been brought on and he's trying to change it and make sure. new tracks and mm. any, this is crazy. Uh, I was reading up in, in the forums and the community. Anyone who seemed to come into the game at that point in time, mm-hmm. they loved all the new music. They're like, oh, sure. this is way better. Let's sure. keep this. But the people who had been there the whole time, like, why no, would you we, change that? Why would you change it? They were diehard. And, yeah. and I just, we couldn't win. Yeah, um, no, they're, they're, that is a And so I, I officially scenario. am in like a haters camp, which is so sure. funny. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, like the more you jump jump into to entertainment, there's gonna be there's gonna be someone that hates it, someone that loves it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, which is we are funny, nerds. You know? We are impossible to please 100 percent right. of the time. I yes. mean, come on. So um, I think at some point you just have to decide um, artistically, like what do I feel is the best thing to do with this situation, and then do it and be happy with it. Sure. If I'm happy with it, I'm. You know, I'm done. You're I'm moving proud. on. You're done. Moving on. You're right. Yep. So I'm assuming that it varies then when you're brought in 
Um, yes. because like you said, it could be very early. Mm. It could be very late in the process. Um, and it could, I'm yeah. assuming that it could be anything from months to years that you're working on something. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is no standard other yeah. than the stats that I hear. Um, there are surveys that go out. Um, there's one very famous survey called the game SoundCon, which is a conference yeah. every year in, um, California. And they do an annual survey with all of the audio professionals in the game space just to get some real data. Um, and on average, writing a game is a three to five year experience. Wow. Um, and that wow. seems to hold pretty true uh, with what yeah. I've experienced. Um, some a little bit faster, but. And that uh, includes like the bigger budget ones and the independent ones? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's remarkable. Um, That's I mean, big games, thousands of people on the staff, they're still sure. taking two years. Mm hmm. Right. Three years. And because those are really churn and burn. They put bodies on it to get yes. it out. Right. right. And, Versus I'm, an and I'm learning. Game. Yeah. And I'm learning right now with Dark Dice, which is currently an audio drama, the indie podcast, um, without sharing anything I can't. Um, <laughs> the, the team wants to expand into other realms, basically other sure. types of media. Makes so sense. they're, they're, they're mm -hmm. leaving it very open ended um, while they have this like. Uh, super successful show. It's literally number one fiction podcast in the world. No insane, way. Insane. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> in large part due to Jeff Goldblum, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. It probably sure. is a contributing factor. Yes. <laughs> and the music. And the music. Yeah, the music. That's right. Duh. <laughs> That's right. Um, but that show, and they're calling it a show because it, it kind of, sure. who knows what to call anything these days um, yeah. with media because it's so um, transcendent. Because mm -hmm. you could play in a video, you could play it in a game, you could play it mm -hmm. while you're literally playing a D&D &D game. Like, mm -hmm. They've made it very um, accessible for multiple contexts on purpose. But I'm starting to learn with that show, I actually work a ton with, actually like 99% of what I do is working with live musicians. So they, they have mm -hmm. pretty large budgets where we're hiring orchestras and that's choirs. Cool. Oh, that's gotta be fun. Um, that's, pretty awesome. that's what I'm working on this week actually and trying to get everything ready for a recording session. Uh, recording with Budapest uh, musicians. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. And we're, <laughs> it sounds it's a crazy cool. world we live in, man. <laughs> because before everybody had to fly yeah. to some space to do Dude. this. And now it's just like, yeah. you good in your little soundproof room in your house? Yes. And mm -hmm. get this. This is pretty wild. You're, you're muted, French horns. You're <laughs> muted. <laughs> um, right now for this show, I'm working on the most insane language situation i've been in where yet like the recording session is a zoom session mm. where we're kind of speaking broken english to sure. people who speak hungarian sure. to inquire um meanwhile the text itself is a mixture of icelandic german and <sighs> infernal which is the D D language and i'm having phone calls almost every day the last couple of weeks with um the lead producer who is literally reading out word for word all the lyrics and I'm having to phonetically translate it oh my on the gosh. page and it's like four language barriers at once where whoa I'm just having to type in word I'm like say it again say it again say it again um and I'm doing this for like 13 different tracks and it's it's insane that's insane so say what, an that, what an experience though yeah wow. yeah um like we toyed with this on the the first season of the show when I'm doing season two music um and we, we did a few tracks like this just to mm -hmm. see what would this be like to do this crazy recording session. And, but now like they've quadrupled the amount of work. And so I've been working sure. on this since uh, I guess January or so. Um, That's just cool. insane. That's and now insane I kind of understand about. when, you know, we were talking about 
two to three years, mm-hmm. that's barely enough for a composer when they when they have these big ensembles. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of work is insane, um, and to the point where I have a team now, which sounds so so fancy, <laughs> so, um, so, official, so professional, right. yeah. Because yeah. I do, I have I have to have orchestrators, multiple. I have to have a copyist, yeah. someone who makes all the sheet music, and and now I'm translating, wow. and and um, it's this <laughs> wow. big big thing and it just mm. makes me scratch my head how on earth do how these... did you get here how did yeah, i get yeah. here yeah the whole thing and and, yeah. and just how does how do the the best of the best out there make this run so smoothly mm. you look at these marvel movies and sure um one of my favorite shows recently was the mandalorian and, and sure. i love oh, anything yeah. by by ludwig mm. gorenson um i just watched tenet the other night and like these mm. scores that are so massive and intricate mm. and so mm. long like the amount of work is just mind blowing. So I think in some way I'm not ready for those if I was handed it. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm glad that I have these stepping stone sure. moments and I couldn't have handled this 10 years ago. No and way. I, and I would let imagine. Your kids, let your kids get older and then you can deal with that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I also would imagine too, that those big projects, say a tenant, say, um, you know, these, these massive wow. film scores too, you know, they take up not just years, not just years of your life, but it would be like mm. constant two years yes like where you're mm-hmm. working 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 all working working yeah. all the time where i'd imagine where something a little video game it sounds like you've got a little bit more margin that you can work with yes um than a big stuff which kind of leads me into one of my uh, another question that i have which is you bounce being a composer and you know one that works from home live youtube channel mm-hmm. um how do you kind of balance work with being family first what does that look like well, you know, there was this book that was written once. I know, that... yeah. <laughs> so uh, oh, not, not to yeah, give away yeah. everything in the book, but like, but, but I couldn't for, if I wanted to. But yeah. for Stephen Malin, like what does yeah. working from home, being a full-time dad and a full-time composer look like? Yeah. Um, I wish I knew. <laughs> um, I imagine it looks the, a little bit word, different every day. Or just an, or just an average yeah. day. Yeah. I mean, one of my mentors once taught me this context of what what balance actually is that it's it's more of a seesaw right it's more of but it's not just a two-way pendulum it's actually more like eight it's like an Mm -hmm. octopus where every season of your life is gonna there's gonna be certain demands where your family needs more time right now and i would say during the season of foster care that was absolutely true Mm -hmm. where my family they needed me constantly and that was just part of what we signed up for and what I mean by that is like we had a million doctor appointments. We had, yeah, you know, parents or taxi service, whatever. But like we really had to take them everywhere um, for medical concerns and school things. And and there were times where we had kids come into our care overnight. And 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 but just to yeah. kind of give a snapshot in eleven in a two year period, we had eleven kids come and go. Wow. Three of which turned into adoption. Yeah. So you can imagine just like the the uncertainty of it all and then trying to work on top of that. You kidding me? Yeah. My wife had mm-hmm. a full-time job and just the whole thing was, was nuts. Wow, that's nuts. Um, but even through that process, so th- there was a season, right? A, really a two-year season of constant flux where some days my family really needed me. Other days I really had a lot of work time. So that balancing act was okay what what is my week look like let's zoom out what does my month look like and it's, just, it's filling the holes mm-hmm. filling my schedule first and foremost with the priorities yes and then if there's anything left over cool that's when i get to play video games that's when i get to watch movies that's when mm-hmm. i get sure. to yep. hang out with friends mm-hmm. whatever and i think you guys more than anyone understand this because i think it's the heart of the show of dagum nerds is that 
yeah, we love to nerd out, but that's really, that's not the bulk of our time. That's Correct. like one one percent. Mm-hmm. We're just so dang passionate about it that it bleeds it over. fuels right. us yeah. and it's, yeah. you know, and I think that's a very healthy perspective is yeah. your priorities, but there is no copy paste. And maybe mm-hmm. for some people, yeah. you know, I think especially once you get, once you get older and it's like if your kids are at, out um, or they're teenagers, whatever, just your, your time is so different yeah. because even right now I'm preparing these next three months before baby number five comes I've been through the newborn thing a million times yeah. now, mm-hmm. um, quite literally eight or nine times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. I know what it means to to do newborns where you're not sleeping, yep. you can't work, you can't focus. Okay, yeah. great. So how can I prepare now? And so my my phone calls with my clients, I'm saying, hey, December, January, I'm off. If you need to hire me, do it now or do it in February. And I'm already sure. blocking that off so that if... I need some amount of margin mm-hmm. of bleed of, of spillover for a week or two here and there. Great. I'll pick it up and I'll do it. But setting those boundaries now, that's so important. And yep. I think that I didn't know that five years ago. Sure. I didn't know I had to do that. And uh, because I can see the season coming up, I know how to prepare for it now. So like these two weeks preparing for that recording session, mm-hmm. I'm working a lot and that's okay yeah. because my family knows when that's over, I'm done. And we right. actually have a, yeah. a family vacation planned the next week. So that's exciting. these are just like, yeah. if you just zoom out for a second and have real conversations with your spouse about what are priorities in this season right now, you can make it work. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you Without say that too. Breaking, cause, you know, cause like for kids, especially young kids, like we all have, um, yeah. quantity of time equals quality time. They don't understand we have a vacation coming up in (laughs) two months. They need you, dad, available now, even if that just means you're sitting next to him on the couch. They just want to know you're there. Um, But all that being said, too, what advice do you give for aspiring composers like to get in other than aside from from ordering the book, you know, family first composer, ordering the book and just generally being a good human? Like, what would you advise like? you when you were first starting let you know now what would you go back and advise yourself to do or not tell my yeah yeah Yeah, that's that that, that may be a longer that (laughs) might be just as important though that might be just as important um two things that really come to mind number one is don't try to be anyone else don't try to sound like anyone else Mm -hmm. literally be you and that is that's what people want um the, the jobs that I love doing now for soundtracks, people hire me because of me, because of what I bring to the table that's unique and different. And nine times out of 10, when I do something weird and experimental that I just want to do that sounds interesting or mm-hmm. finding a weird instrument, like that's the thing that the clients go crazy about and they want to hire me again. Mm-hmm. Every time I play it safe or try to be reserved, never works. It's never sure. worked. And I think the beginning of my career, I just always wanted to sound like other people that mm-hmm. I would copy them mm-hmm. and, and imitate them. Um, and the second thing would be as soon as possible, even if you're young, if you're 12, 15, whatever, just starting to get into this whole art, um, find a way to monetize it early. Mm-hmm. That way whatever that it means. helps to fuel the craft. Yeah. But yeah. And there are so many ways to monetize your music and to actually make some real money. Um, and usually starting off, it's some way of productizing what you are already doing. For example, mm-hmm. um, I recently, um, took my, 
entire back catalog of all unused music on all of my hard drives mm-hmm. in the last, I don't know, 15 years. Anything that was unused, I went on like a deep search for about two months, collected it all together, and made a 500-track music pack. Okay. I just released it wow. a couple weeks ago, and now it's making thousands. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Which is almost replacing other parts of income. So there's something that, granted, the average person is not going to have 500 back catalog of high quality. Not when they music. start, but they might a couple years in. Exactly. But hmm. you have 10, you have 15, right. something, right? And, I, and I'd imagine for a, a young composer setting up future income for themselves, a fun exercise for them could be. So I love this game. Call it Zelda. Call it whatever it is. Yes. How would I have wrote the music for yeah, that? Yeah, there you go. One hundred percent. And then and that's you can what I've put done my whole life. Right. Yes, that's hmm. that's exactly what I've done. Every time, maybe not so much now because I do have real projects. But earlier on, when I didn't, I didn't have work and hmm. I didn't know what to do with my music. Any time that I was, I had just played a game that I was really inspired by the soundtrack, mm-hmm. I'd just go listen to a little bit, and then I would write my own version of that game. Of that game. Oh, okay. Um, and what ha- that has done is it's actually informed me of like little tools to add to my tool belt of how to sound mm-hmm. like Metroid, how to sound like Dark Souls, how to sound like Zelda, how to sound like Mario. And now I have not only um, the materials, but that actually turned into a YouTube series where sure. ah. how to write like... Zelda, how to write like Mario, whatever. Mm. And so I have all these videos floating around that have done well of which turned into courses and, and things that I can now help other people learn the vocabulary. That's amazing. Of writing like Final Fantasy, whatever. And now I'm so thankful that I did that because now I have these tools for my own use. But um, right now writing for Dark Dice, um, they gave two soundtracks as the reference material for the entire thing. And it was mm. The Witcher 3, Mm. which is pretty well known and um, bit, yeah. and yeah. dark souls. Okay. And dark souls. Yeah, that, yeah, that music, yeah. music that I am intimately familiar with. And because I know I like fundamentally on a music theory level basis have worked my hands to play these things on the piano. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I get it. And absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. Let's write. Um, and it's not something I'd ever done before in a professional paid sure. context. Mm-hmm. Um, but now literally working with choirs and, and, yeah, recording crazy, this wild man. wild music <laughs> that is reminiscent of those soundtracks but because i've internalized it way before the project even came mm-hmm. it's like doing my homework and research before um, right so i think you always got to be growing and and learning um and i think the people who are really cut out for this industry they're already doing that stuff sure yeah they're experimenting they're like mm-hmm. people who just they're itching they're that's what they do for fun. They might just don't know the business side of it, so to speak. Exactly. Right. right. Exactly. Like they have the music passion, which is what you need for any profession, and then mm-hmm. figuring out how to monetize it. And you seem to do a very good job of that early on specifically, um, which is what Thank really you. builds your brand and builds your resume. Yeah. And I'd imagine yeah. that, you know, when you've got kids to feed and uh, wives That's a to big motivator. and say, yeah, that'll, uh, <laughs> that'll start motivating on how do I turn my uh, donuts yes. over here to dollars. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'll even, I'll even throw another one out there. Yeah. Uh, I talk about uh, this in the book of double dipping where you can, meaning music is an asset, right? It, it is a singular product that can be used in so many different contexts that one, this one product could be sold in 10 different environments mm-hmm. and not um, break any copyright or yeah. legal issues. So the same is, piece of music yeah. can be used on one of my background background music for one of my YouTube videos because I have it, right? It's licensed, cool. 
It can be used in a video game, so I can put it in a music pack. I can use it as streaming on Spotify because someone who just wants to listen to it. Right. I can put it on Bandcamp for someone who wants to just own it as an MP3. Um, I can put it as as a download as part of a Patreon hmm. stream yeah. or whatever. Um, like, there's about ten different ways to, or more that you can take one thing that you've already made, package it differently, and now you can sell it in ten different ways. So I think people get so tied up that oh, I have to make something new for every single idea. Right. No, you don't double dip and and allow your past work, like especially if you own it, monetize what you've already mm-hmm. done. I can't tell you how many composers I talk to who are just struggling to make financial means. And like, what have you already done? Like, what have you written before? Mm. Um, I was shocked at how many um, tracks I had laying around that were just, a finished and mm-hmm. just never used because they were rejected from something or a pitch or a demo mm. or whatever. Um, but there's another category of unfinished music that I couldn't believe. And I think that marked my first five or 10 years of, of experimenting with music mm-hmm. is I would always get 75% done with a piece of music and then stop. And then, Oh, I have a new, mm. a new idea. Let's try something new. And so I built up this like hundreds of ideas that never got finished. And, uh, as I was trying to get the number of my tracks to 500, mm-hmm. it started off uh, a couple months ago as 300 something. And then I said, for the next month, I'm going to sit down and every day I'm going to just go through my old content from 10 years ago. I'm going to see how many of these I can literally just put a period on. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big grandiose five minute track. What if it's only a 30 second idea? That's perfect for a video game loop. Let's put a period on it and export it. And so I did that. And and what was one track turned into five, 15, 20, 50, a hundred. And so I got the number to an even 500. Um, And that was the coolest feeling for me. Go back and finish some stuff that I hadn't heard in 15 years. Yeah. Wild. Um, I bet it brought back tons of memory for you at that time in your life as well. That was really cool. And here's the crazy part. Um, Sorry for our poor friend Trip and his computer troubles today. Um, (laughs) My my Mac that I wrote all that stuff on died uh, yesterday morning. No. Um, But I had gotten everything off of it. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. So this is an 11 year old computer. Crisis averted. My entire career was built on. Now I have a different machine I'm using now, but. that was a really cool moment. I was telling mm-hmm. my wife uh, this morning, wow, remember that last month that I just spent all that time on this machine getting all the files off? Like, wow. <laughs> if I didn't do that, then. Yep. Yeah. How and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why we do backup systems and just about <laughs> everything computer hardware. So. Yes. And so I have six drives. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Um, I, I we'll start winding the conversation down, but kind of think kind of the last big question mm-hmm. that I want to ask you is you obviously wrote family first composer. And I, was there a particular reason in mind why you wrote that? Like, was there an inception point where you're like, you know, I've got to make a book about this. I think it came first and foremost, um, f- from, I already had a bunch of blogs, a, okay. a, a blog, mm-hmm. blog post that, um, equaled about 21 questions that I, I found Whenever a young composer would ask me a question, if I'm teaching somewhere or doing all this private coaching or my YouTube videos, the same 21 questions kept coming up over and over and over again. Um, And I could just kind of distill it down to those. Mm -hmm. To be totally honest and frank, um, I hate answering emails. Ah. I hate (laughs) answering comments. If it's some, specifically if it's something I've already answered before. Sure. And Mm -hmm. if I've already answered it in great depth um, with a good answer. 
Um, and I'm just a big fan of resources mm-hmm. where it's the same reason that if someone asks me a spiritual question or they ask me a, a career advice question, I'm going to point to a book that changed my life, that this is the one. Here's yeah. the guy. Boom. And what I can share my experience about that thing. But man, we all know that that source is going to be the, the place to learn that that concept. I feel like it's really important to have a resource to turn people to when they have questions, especially if it's a question you've answered a million times and yeah. um, mm-hmm. you already have a very succinct way of sharing that. Yeah. Uh, like it's pretty, I think I've become kind of shameless about it recently <laughs> that when, when people, like, this is just the, the reality of when you have a book out or when you have um, a podcast, you have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel, you just get a lot of messages. You get a lot of emails mm-hmm. from people who, they enjoy the content and they want to let you know about it. And they typically tag a question on at the end, like insert giant topic here. You know, right. how mm-hmm. do you make income as a composer? Okay. Let me just answer that back with an email, you know? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. One um, hour later, <laughs> yeah. but it is really cool that I have a resource that I can point people to that. You know what? I really thought this one out of here, are the top 21 questions that people really do have. And I had, to be honest, I, I wrote it for myself. Um, mm-hmm. My past version of myself that, mm-hmm here's the stuff I wish I had. And here's a fascinating thing that um, if you were to just go back, even when I was, I don't know, 11 years old, 15 years old, mm-hmm. so we're talking like 2001-ish, 2005-ish, when I was really starting to get more serious into composing, there was nothing out there. No resources. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. was a, a dream job that no one had. You could ever get. And, like five and, people and have this the, job. I mean, right. YouTube wasn't even existed yet. You know, it was... Mm-hmm. What YouTube was 2004, I think. So yes, kids, we the are that infants, old. <laughs> the infancy <laughs> of of the World Wide Web, right? Where <laughs> you, we didn't have access to stuff. You could go to the mm-hmm. library, I guess, but what are you going to learn? Music theory. You're going to learn. There's no books on video gaming how to, yeah, in the library all, back then. Nothing. Not at all. MIDI I mean, tracks and eight bit music. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. Not a chance. So I think that there was a an intersection where. I grew up where I had like the school of hard knocks where I literally had to learn everything myself. And thankfully I'm a self learner and I'm, I'm always learning things just I'm interested in. Um, but I just think it's so fascinating that now like the first composer I ever met was in college. Um, I was already what, 18 years old, 19 years old, met a composer. He was a classical concert composer. Um, and so he worked with the orchestra on the concert Mm. stage and had a very, prim and proper way of doing things um very structured and i thought there's no way I could, i'd learn anything from this guy because he has nothing to do with the entertainment industry but it turns out here we are many years later he can and, be taught <laughs> and that was some of the most insightful wisdom i've ever learned yeah that that was the bedrock of my foundation like my foundation of my career because he taught me the musical things that nothing um like to this day, right? The, the higher the budgets, the higher the projects, mm-hmm. the more they want you to go live. They want you to work with the big mm-hmm. ensembles. And sure. now, like to this day, I'm working on the very things I learned at the beginning because it transcends technology, right. the human touch, the human, the musicianship. Um, and you kind of combine that with all the other stuff I've learned about technology. And, you know, that kind of is my world of, of del- delving into both. But that's my heart is to always is it's honestly help to pour back into the generation um and it, it's so wild now that um a few years back i was asked to teach at a i don't remember if it was middle school or high school but there are music technology programs now that wow. 
they have a, a whole computer lab of like 20 Macs all decked out with MIDI keyboards and, and audio oh, wow. interfaces. Like wow, my $20,000 little studio here times 10 or times mm-hmm. 20 in this wow. room. And it's like, that's what they get to go learn on for their, their little extra sixth for, class of the day. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Wow. And, and the disadvantage my, of that though, is that they, they, they miss some passion in that. Oh, and, yeah. and they miss a lot. Like there's no like, School of Hard Knocks for stuff no, you, like that. You, really. you kind of lose a scrappy quality that you would pick <laughs> yes, up right. otherwise. Yeah, yes. Oh, scrappy. Well, yeah, that's back, a good word. back in my that's day. <laughs> yes. In mm-hmm. fact, um, speaking of computers, um, I had an old crappy laptop that was slow as slow as dirt. And um, what here? Okay. Here's like the sentimental part of the Mac that died yesterday. Okay. Like it really went kaputs finally. <laughs> um, the sentimental part is that was my very first Mac. It was something because mm-hmm. back in that day when I had this really crappy laptop, I just always had this uh, standard of oh, once I, I get a just, Mac, uh-huh. spend thousands yeah. of dollars on this thing. This is the tool that I need mm-hmm. to do the job. Um, and whether or not that's true, at that time, um, I couldn't afford anything, and so I was working with the lowest tech mm-hmm. stuff there is. Um, and for a long time, cracked software. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> I buy everything now. Promise. <laughs> Your secret, your so, secret is safe with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but my very first film project, um, the client, he was an older gentleman who was willing to invest in this little kid who mm. had the talent, but not the mm. resources. Um, and he forwarded the whole movie's pay to, so I could buy this Mac and oh, all the things right. that I needed. For him. Well, that's um, why he probably doesn't know how much he changed one person's yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a simple thing. Um, yeah. To him, it was no big deal, but I just remember uh, my $2,400 Mac. You yeah, know that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I joked about it yesterday. Like this morning, I was like carrying it off and I was like, $2,400. No, I, uh, I, back so, then, that, that could have been a million dollars to me back then. Right. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing some similarities. Like I work in the video field, um, the video mm-hmm. industry. Um, and yeah. even from when I got started back in my day, um, yeah. Yeah, when we used to play with a, a hoop and a stick and we roll through the dirt. <laughs> um, no, but even, you know, just the 10, 15 years ago when I got started, the the amount of resources that are available now for somebody who's interested in getting into anything <laughs> media related, it's ridiculous. Just grab really this to, thing, right? Really just yeah. get grab into your phone anything. And you just... Yeah, it really get into anything. And so I, what I'm hearing from you too, and this is so very much the case in the video industry as well, is that, yeah, some kind, sometimes the tools are helpful, but you have to work on the person yes. who is doing this. You have to be able to make those soft skills of like, I'm going to pick up a book all during my off time. I'm going to, instead of play a video game, I'm going to make video game music. Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and if you start doing that over time, I'm, I'm learning from YouTube videos. Yeah. I'm learning from mm-hmm. tutorials oh, that are online. I'm rubbing shoulders with whoever I can, who comes into my life and I have a, a realistic opportunity to spend some time with them. Um, you know, not like yeah. emailing Hans Zimmer asking if I you could spend a day in you know <laughs> right. his studio, um, but you know it's it, working yeah. on yourself as a person to get yourself to the point to where I will learn what I don't know. Yeah, be a good person, be punctual, meet your deadlines, and you'll be fine. Yep. Yeah, that's another yep. one. Deadlines. If you miss deadlines, don't work and or just media. be honest about it, or yeah. be like be honest yeah. with that stuff. That's big. Totally. Dumb. That's awesome. And then I know that you also uh, do foster care, adoption, 
Um, this is this is just a small thing. Again, 30,000 foot flyover. But if anyone is even interested doing anything mm. that direction, what are like a couple of different places that you're like, hey, try, check this out? Oh, man, um, that's a deeply uh, location geographically based thing okay um in the atlanta georgia area um that's all i have experience with um but we went through a foster agency um called families for families it's the number four families for families um, and there are many organizations out there but there's there is a key difference so if anyone is actually interested in this mm. if you want to explore foster care you can go straight through dfacs which is the department mm -hmm. of family children yep. science um not science it's, uh what does it even stand for services services thank you mm -hmm. i'm here for <laughs> it's, late. it's late it's late <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and you know that's that's a government uh entity so we've heard a lot of horror stories of yes don't there's do that because you because there, there's, there's no support yeah right? there's no one representing you there's you just kind of get what you get as far as the case plan um and there's no one fighting for you or the kid that might come into your care and it's a very rough situation and yeah. financially burdensome and, and just not a good situation versus going through an agency um such as families for families or, or any of the the many others um they fight for you and they represent for you and you know in this world there's a lot of court cases mm. there's a lot of doctor visits there's a lot of um education needs there's a lot of counseling and therapy yeah, to where it's a full time thing, um, and it's not something to be taken lightly. It's a very serious need. It's a very yeah. uh, big yeah. calling, um, something to pray about, um, something to take very seriously. Um, and I could share a ton about our whole story, but um, in a nutshell, um, we felt we felt God call us into that, and that was something that awesome. we wanted to um, be yeah. obedient in and not delay. Mm -hmm. Um, and typically it takes six to nine months to become approved for your home. There's a mountain of paperwork to get through and your own, um, things you have to pass through with home studies and such very much like if you were to do international adoption, mm. um, there's just a lot of, of processes there. Um, but in our situation, uh, from the day we started, we really jumped after it and we, and feel like God really blessed the timing of it so that, um, within, think two months we had our first placement oh and wow two and it was uh two boys um two newborns and phew, that was crazy yeah i'm sure was crazy. i'm sure it was um but the speed of it all happening was very intense but also very intentional and uh beautiful story whole thing uh and i actually uh just for the sake of time and and so you can actually sure. have some visuals behind mm -hmm. this um, if you actually search on YouTube, um, just type in my name, Stephen Malin or Stephen and Natalie, uh, 12 Stone Church. Um, that's where we go. And that's, uh, they've done a whole story about it. I've seen a the two part story. It's about, yeah. it's about 15 minutes. Um, and fun fact, I actually, they asked me to score, um, the part two. <laughs> oh, um, so cool. if you hear that, that's, that's my music. I, that was a very emotional thing to score, but oh, very sure. sweet. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Very sweet. So a little bit of a, um, but you can kind of get our whole. Too. Yeah, yeah. Is um so you've ob obviously fostered many and you've since adopted three. Knowing all those processes now, how might you prepare your heart differently if oh, you had question. to start that from scratch? Ooh. I think one of the greatest lessons we ever learned 
uh, was to let go, meaning um, I don't know how to do this without faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, we live in a very broken, fallen world where there's evil all over the place and kids who just need a loving family, they just need um, safety and they need structure and, and yeah. um, you got to prepare your heart. Uh, you ask a good question. I think the number one lesson that I learned was um, specifically when, it, when a kid had to leave, um, yeah. sometimes it was a positive situation, others it wasn't. And those are those really sucky ones when yeah. you know that they're going to a situation that is worse than your own. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's just, that hurts. Or worse than their original. I'd imagine that is like, yes. could you go into it with such this servant heart and wanting you to protect to. and love these kids? Um, yep. um, but they might only be with you for a day and a half. Sure, sure. Right. And um, so how do you like get connected I, I wanna, but not get connected, yeah. so to speak? Yeah. I do want to clarify that there is a difference between a respite care, which is temporary, like very mm. temporary, such okay. as a day or two, sure. which is meant for those transition type mm. situations. Um, no, cause it gives, um, defects an opportunity to find a, a more permanent home. Sure. Um, and then there is, um, adoptive resource families, which are the foster families, which, um, you could, it's actually just a check of a box. If you are one, you can switch to the other. You have okay. to have the exact same amount of training and preparation, which is kind of cool. A lot of people uh, flip on those. Um, but for adoptive resource families, your goal is, this is not, not many people know this, but you're signing up for reunification and adoption mm. if necessary. Mm. Okay. And there's an important okay. case there where if someone comes into your home, you're not hoping for adoption. Because to hope for adoption means you're hoping that they're ripped away from their family they never get to see yeah, again. Sure. You're hoping for the best situation for the little one. Exactly. Whether that's with you or not. Exactly. Is, right. Yeah. And that's the hard yeah. part because you're coming at it with such compassion. Right. Because yeah. a lot yeah. of people go into it with the, the foster to adopt mindset. I, I want to adopt. And that's yeah. and it, and they actually say not favored faster. by. Right. That's not favored by the court system, by the way. Sure. Um, they don't want to hear that because then it sounds selfish and you're not. Sure. Yeah, and it's, for the child. That's, that's, right. a, that's right. a great area. Here, here, know, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but as far as your heart preparation, you, as a person of faith, I have to trust that every kid that comes in or every kid that goes is exactly where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And you sense. have to yeah. let go of that, mm-hmm. that it's not my job to follow up and to like try to hunt them down. Nope. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not in my control. Okay. Mm. Um, and there were some situations in our care where um, we were not obviously not able to um, continue to care for every kid that, that came in. Mm. Um, those are some tough situations where we had to make some decisions on, mm. we have already adopted, these are our adopted children, and right. they do have priority over foster children, sure. which is a tough call. Yeah, that's that's, and then as soon mm. as biological entered the mix, um, that was also true, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the moment that we stopped. Um, officially, um, we kept our doors open until everyone was adopted so that we sure. could cool. legally do it all correctly and, mm-hmm. right. um, and care for the kids properly and not just say, we're done. Can you come get these and, kids? Right. right. Yeah. And th- that was a, a big thing is, is yeah. my wife and I entered foster care saying, oh, we're going to care as much as we possibly can for every kid that comes to our home as soon as they enter their family. Um, and that there is a bit of a, a naivete to that where, <laughs> yeah. 
there's a nuance to that where no, you can't, you can't do that at you can't do that at the expense of children that are already in your mm, care. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yes, that is true for the very first placement, but the second placement, you have to make sure is this going to hinder or or help the first? Because right. of the whole money. And there were a couple yeah, of a lot situations. more relationship dynamics, right? There were a couple of situations where having additional actually harmed um, or put mm, uh, mm. growth was not going to happen and stuff like that. So that's tough. That's hard, um, man. That's hard. There's a level of discernment there. Um, and, and the funny part about it all is everything happens at breakneck speed where there oh, is yeah. no time to process mm-hmm. and to have wisdom, it feels like sometimes. So um, a lot of it is faith. A lot of it is, okay, I'm going to trust and um, yeah. make the best decision <laughs> possibly can. Yeah. Right. For yeah. the benefit, the for the and welfare the right. of yep. these children. So it's there's there's a lot of uh, nuances to that. And definitely an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Not something to See, take lightly. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven, I seriously could talk to you all night about anything yeah, from heavy. video games, composing, <laughs> and and I even I'm even fascinated on just the adoption foster care side just because yeah. it is a whole other world. Um yeah. and shining a light on that. Um so uh, for all of everybody, everybody who's listening and watching, um, I really hope that you've enjoyed today's discussion. Uh, this is our very first interview, so I hope you liked it. Uh, if you want to see more, is there anything you want to add to the discussion? Um, anyone that you want us to talk to in the future, um, either like or comment on YouTube, head to dagumnerds.com, hit the contact button. We love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, just thank you, Steven. I really yeah. appreciate you being here, man. My pleasure. Yeah, it was, it was thank fun. You. This is good. Well, hey guys, let's wrap things up with our closing thoughts and pun count. Well, hey, any closing thoughts before we go? Yeah, I got some. So first I want to thank Steven just for sharing his world. Yes. Um, in terms of composing and helping the younger generation of composers come up, but more importantly, I'd like to thank you and your wife for everything you're doing in the world of foster care. Yes. That's super awesome. Um, one kid matters. That's super important. I appreciate it personally. It's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight it in this episode too, Mm -hmm. is because it, I, it gets talked about a little bit, but even just a taste of what that world looks Mm -hmm. like, I really hope that that, I don't know if that stirs in your heart on something that that's you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of great resources out there. Um, and and like Steven said, find a, find a great, um, uh, Oh, what you, what was the name of it? An agency, an agency, a great agency that's in your area. So yeah, check that out. Um, Steven, again, I want to just say thank you. It was really amazing having you as uh, our first interview on the show. I really, I, I, when I found out that you existed, I'm like, I don't think that anyone could have tailor made a guess more so for the show. You literally wrote a book that is, has part of our tagline in it. Family first. Oh my gosh. That's fantastic. It's so perfect. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy this show, be sure to follow and subscribe to it. It allows us to do more things. Uh, your engagement always helps us. But uh, we've got a lot of other resources for you. Kevin, you want to take us out? Yeah, come hang out with us on dadgumnerds.com. It's a great way to connect with us. We have a merch store there. You can connect with us there. We also have a Patreon program that you can get to through dadgumnerds.com with tons of perks, including our after show, guesting on the show. You guys have heard many guests come on the show. Um, from our Patreon program and VIP, VIP access to lots of other things. So come check us out. Yep. We're on Discord too. We get to hang out with you guys all the time. If you really want some uh, Dagum Nerds content all throughout your week, we're always there rubbing shoulders with our fans. So it's it's a blast. So easiest way to be a part of that is to go to DagumNerds.com and hit the Discord button. Take you straight there. 
Uh, Steven, anything that you want to plug before before you go? Anything about anything? Yeah, anything. Oof. You've earned it, uh, good sir. YouTube page, book, all that fun stuff. Everyone should subscribe to your show. Oh, that's... <laughs> that... Well, thank you, good sir. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I am a subscriber. I love well, you guys. I'll yeah. tell you what, I will plug... Fun. You, I will plug your uh, own YouTube channel for you, Steven Malin. Oh, um, he does a live composing and answering questions and helping young composers come up uh just doing that's awesome. creating content it's awesome and if you are even remotely interested in that you should definitely check it out there's a lot of other cool stuff on there too and not so. only just interested in being a composer if you're just interested in the process and the yeah. mindset it's always a cool thing to check out especially when people are passionate about something Yep. And uh, Steven, you definitely have a heart to teach. So that makes it even yeah. more special. So uh, and then check out Family First Composer. You can find that basically wherever books are sold. Oh, you uh, have to say that. That's pretty cool. Wherever yep. books are sold. <laughs> wherever books are sold. <laughs> we feel so official right now, yeah. don't we? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that our pun count for this episode is a big whopping zero. Goose egg. Goose egg. Yes. Eat it, Jinx. Zach. And by doing that, we've basically inundated ourselves for episode 60 whenever we record that whenever zach, zach is back zach right. will come in strong yeah <laughs> we've signed up for that now well hey guys that is all we've got for you today thank you so much for listening we'll catch you later daggum nerds thanks guys bye game over